Well, if you're listening to this episode, it means that my wife just had our third baby and I'm taking the week off. Um, But I didn't want to leave you empty handed. So this is an episode pulled from the archives. This is an interview with Tim Challies way back in episode 14, which we did in 2019. This has been several years now. If you don't know Tim, Tim Challies has been blogging at challies.com for the past, I don't know, coming up on 20 years, I think, daily blogging there. And he's written several books on a variety of topics, including productivity. One of my favorite books of his, Do More Better, A Practical Guide to Productivity, was part of the reason I got into writing and talking about personal productivity from a Christian worldview. So this was a fun interview. We cover topics like calling, um, blogging, daily routines, honoring Christ in our work, even facing um, health-related problems, how that relates to our productivity. I think you're going to enjoy it. Let's get into the episode after a quick word from these sponsors. Pornography is not a comfortable subject, but did you know that seven out of 10 men and one out of three women in the church today are struggling with pornography? It's the secret sin that no one wants to talk about. If porn is impacting your life or the life of someone you know, there is hope. You can begin a life of accountability and a journey toward freedom today. We all need biblical accountability. And by walking that path, you can have peace of mind knowing you're not alone in the fight. And that's how Covenant Eyes works, through accountability. When you sign up, you will choose an ally who will receive your device reports and walk you toward a life free from porn and the life that God desires for you. Try it free for 30 days by visiting CovenantEyes.com and entering the promo code ROSE at checkout. That's R-O-S-E. That's CovenantEyes.com, promo code ROSE, R-O-S-E, at checkout. Don't let shame keep you from the life God has for you. Take back your life, your marriage, and your relationships. Freedom and healing can begin today. Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. Today, I'm joined by Tim Challies, blogger, author, book reviewer. Tim runs the blog Challies.com. He's also the uh, founder of Cruciform Press. Tim, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where do you live? What's your family like? And and what do you do? Sure. Yeah, uh, I live just outside Toronto, Canada. I've been here for most of my life, somewhere in the outskirts of Toronto. I'm married to Aileen. We've been married for, I guess, 21 years now, and we've got three children who are 13, 16, and 19. Um, And what do I do? I'm a writer, I guess, by trade. I write various things, uh, mostly focused on my blog. Uh, I've also been doing some video stuff lately, traveled the world last year for a a video project, which was a lot of fun. That should be coming out early in uh, 2020. And I'm also a member and one of the elders at Grace Fellowship Church, so I enjoy serving there as well. Um, So, you know, kind of the thing you're probably most known for is the blog, chalice.com. And you have been doing that for how many years now, posting daily? Uh, Many, I guess 15-ish maybe, something like that. (laughs) And you've posted every day? Yeah, since like late 2003 or 2004, something like that. I I have a counter on my site, but I haven't looked at it in, I don't know, ages, so I don't know what it's at. But yeah, it's been probably about 15 years of daily blogging now, I think. That's incredible. 
Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I mean, you've also written on productivity um, yourself, Do More Better, which is an excellent book. I, I was very much helped by that one. Um, Good, thank you. And just even beyond the blog, like you said, you've added video, you've written several books, you uh, do a lot of other things too. And so I, I know that you're a guy who thinks deeply about um, what you're doing and, and, and you're doing it in a way that, that where you seek to be productive and make much of your life. It's apparent from the outside. So I kind of wanted to get your <laughs> thoughts um, on what drives you and how you think about those things. Sure. Yeah, um, ask away. All right. Uh, well, let me ask you this thing. I mean, you, you've been doing, you've been blogging for that long. Did you ever think about quitting? Did you ever, were you ever like, this is, I've bitten off more than I can chew. I should just stop doing this. <laughs> uh, so I thought about quitting early on before I was doing it on a daily basis. And I thought about quitting then because I was just getting really lazy with it and just sort of annoyed and ashamed by my lack of attentiveness to blogging. And so uh, definitely back then I thought about it and that's when I committed to, I'm either going to do this every day for a year or I'm just going to quit. And that started the daily blogging and just set the trajectory that I stayed on ever since. So, um, the, the daily commitment was actually just a last ditch effort to, uh, keep it from falling apart altogether. Other than that, I've had maybe a couple of brief moments. Um, but now I really enjoy it. And as much as we can talk about discovering calling and all of that. I really feel like um, just on the level of desire, what I want to do and level of passion, what I, I love to do. And then the level of blessing, what God seems to be particularly blessing in my life. This just seems to be where it's at. And so uh, on that level, even when there's times of discouragement, it just seems that now I can bear down and just keep on, keep on with this. It seems to be what the Lord's got for me, at least for now. Yeah. And speaking of that with calling and, and kind of discerning some of those things, I remember you writing, maybe it's been a few years ago now, you were on the, I know you're an elder at your church, but you were on pastoral staff there for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for uh, four and some odd years, we had planted a church and our associate pastor went on the church plant and I was an elder there. And the other elders asked if I could step in and handle some of those uh, associate pastor type duties. So yeah, that was about between four and five years I was on staff there. And then eventually you made the decision to, that you were just going to be a, a I guess a, a lay elder and you were going to focus on writing. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that really just came out of, uh, again, that examination of what the Lord seemed to be particularly blessing. Um, and I think I, I really enjoyed doing the, the, the ministry tasks. I enjoyed being full time at the church. It was a real blessing to me. Um, but it seemed that, there were lots of people who could step into that role and do it equally well. Whereas with the, the blogging thing, it seemed that um, I, I just seemed to have been blessed in maybe a, an unusual way there or uh, seemed to have developed a particular passion and skill for it. And so as I evaluated that with the other elders, we thought I should, if I could only commit to one full time, which I could, it was killing me doing both. Mm -hmm. um, I would commit full time to the blogging and become a, go back to being a lay elder. That's great. And has that been a good transition for you? Yeah, it really has been. And so I, I still try and go into the office, the church office, about a day a week and spend time there. Um, that's partly just for my own benefit uh, to get out of the house. It's partly for my wife's benefit. She likes it when I'm out of the house for a day a week or so. It just helps her. Um, 
And uh, it's also for the benefit of the church. I, I, I love to pastor closely as much as I can to really spend time with people. Um, our membership is sort of divided amongst the elders. So we each have primary care over a number. And that allows me just to spend time with those people and, and better care for them. So, um, yeah, so I'm a lay elder, but I still try and uh, commit a day a week um, plus Sundays to the church. That's a real joy to be able to do that. Yeah, and and I guess being kind of independently employed gives you the flexibility to be able to do your schedule like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can do it. And if there's nothing to do, I can still go into the office and just blog away. Or I've got a ton of flexibility when I'm traveling, when I'm on the road. Obviously, I'm not able to the same degree um, to go into the office. And so, yeah, it's super flexible. That's really cool. Um, so you call yourself a writer primarily, and and I know just from from reading uh, things that you've said about writing and about blogging in particular, um, you know, blogging as a medium, I think that you and I would agree was was tremendously important in the whole reformed resurgence thing that happened, um, mm-hmm. and you know, reading in general of of books and and articles and all of that, it's it's a hallmark of uh, the Christian faith that, you know, God gave us the word of God. Uh, you look back at, at reformations in history and they have been in large part due to, of course, the, the translation of the Bible into the, the uh, language of the people and then the proliferation of other literature around that, you know, especially like the Protestant reformation. I mean, even with the reform resurgence, of course, uh, with, with the, uh, people reading the Puritans and Spurgeon and guys like that. And then blogging, I think, you know, the history books will point back and, and look at what was happening online and, and how that contributed to it. But with kind of the rise of other types of media uh, and their popularity, like like podcasts or or YouTube or other things, and I know that you have branched out into some of these, is there still a place for blogging in the Christian world? And, and are these new medias, are they a threat? Uh, yeah, I don't think they're a threat to answer backward. I don't think they're a threat because, uh, people are just so eager to consume media and to consume media of all kinds. We are massive consumers of content, of information. Um, so maybe if we get a little bit more thoughtful and a little more, uh, exercise a little more discretion about the content we consume, then yeah, maybe it's a threat. But for now, I think people just want it. They want it poured into them. Um, so people are examining all these different media and spending hours every day consuming content. So I think there's plenty to go around. And uh, we're starting to see the rest of the world get mobilized as uh, various countries and continents come online. And as English proliferates more and more, uh, becomes more and more the world's language. And people go on to uh, blogs, YouTube, podcasts to help their, them learn English, to help them get attuned to the conversations in the wider Christian world. I, I just think we're, we're only beginning. Uh, in all these different media. So yeah, I think there's a good future for blogging. And what distinguishes it is um, it's a low barrier of entry. So that would separate it from both podcasts and YouTube. Uh, It's very hard, deceptively hard to make a good video, a good quality YouTube video. Mm -hmm. Um, It's much easier to create a good quality blog. So we're still a long way from parody there. And podcasts are a nice middle ground. Um, but there's drawbacks to that in that not everybody's got time or interest in listening to things. You can't skim podcasts and on and on. So I think each one of these and you go down to social media, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, everyone has its own niche and then there's just a lot of overlap between them. So yeah, I believe the future of blogging is bright despite the naysayers. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's wise. You know, it's I think it's tempting to see see it kind of as a zero sum game that there's going to be one dominant form of of media or content out there on the web, but it doesn't that doesn't yeah. seem to be the case. Like you said, people are consuming more and more. Obviously, there's a threshold somewhere, but uh, mm-hmm. it does seem that all of them are complementary in some way. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see how each of them can fit its own little niche. So um, when some tempest in the teapot happens in the Christian world, it seems to happen every week or so, I just don't even care what Twitter says anymore. I don't want the urgent, thoughtless responses at 140 or 280 characters. I just Generally, I think it's a, a wretched medium for uh, many of those, those sorts of things. Um, but by the time, you know, two or three days later, the blogs start to come along and they've required a little bit more thought, a little bit more care. Um, and same would generally be true of podcasts. People have to think about it. People have to gather their thoughts a little bit more. And so being able to have a few days between what happened and the responses and then just forcing yourself not to blast it out in short form, but to think it through, I think is very, very helpful. So uh, I'm, I've gotten off Twitter altogether now. Um, I think it's a wretched medium for many things that people use it for and uh, have just as the latest tempest and teapots have exploded, it's been very helpful to wait until the blogs respond. Yeah. A lot of wisdom in there. It it is an incredibly frustrating place to be. And I think there's also, you know, with Twitter, everything is, is overblown by the urgency. Like, you, you know, I think that we're even seeing it in, at least in America with the political realm right now, where things, if you're on Twitter, things seem to be a much bigger deal than they really mm-hmm. are because you have such a small population of people on Twitter actually talking. And, yeah. you know, when you pull back and you kind of survey the rest of the country, or if you, if you talk to the normal person on the street, they have no idea what you're talking about or what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very deceptive for people who are heavily immersed in it to think that it in any way represents the average person, the average person's opinion, the concerns of the average person, what the average person is thinking and feeling and even knowledgeable about. So we've got to be very, very careful not to allow Twitter to, to uh, change the way we think, um, not to think that it, it, it is representative. So yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom in reducing our time and uh, spending a lot more time with people or in more thoughtful forms of media. That's not to say Twitter has no purpose. I think it, it does have purposes, but where it's at its best, I think, is simply moving information that's actually directing to other things. So not in containing content itself, but in pointing people to more substantial content. That's where it seems to be at its best. Yeah, you're actually aggregating information that is gonna link you off somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not good for discussions, especially discussions of difficult issues or important issues. And so you said you're totally off of there now? Like, did you deactivate your account and everything? Or is it just kind of you just are are tempering your use of it? Uh, I never go on. What I do is just send out content that way. So I use it to for people who subscribe to say, here's what I've written but I don't reply. I haven't looked at it since the summer. So I've got no idea who said what to me or about me, et cetera. And I'm, I'm substantially happier this way. Um, maybe minorly more productive this way. And, uh, just, yeah, I think it was a very good decision at least for this time. Do you think, was it more driven just by the kind of disgust and, and the caution of wanting to just keep all of the, the, uh, the, 
you know, mindless, banal banter out of your mind? Or was there a productivity element even in the decision where you were like, this is a distraction to me actually getting work done? I think it was a distraction to some degree. It was one of those apps, and I tried to get rid of almost all those apps on my phone or computer. The ones you, you're looking at, and you don't even realize you did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're standing in line somewhere or whatever, just those little moments in time, and suddenly you realize, oh, I'm scrolling through tweets. Um, I tried to get rid of as many of those apps as I could to free up my mind. Um, I'd say the primary thing was it just made me unhappy. It made me fearful. It made me a little paranoid. It made me unhappy. It made me unhappy because I saw bad people saying bad stuff about good people. Mm-hmm. And I saw good people saying really dumb things and all of that. I don't want to know what dumb things people I love are saying and doing. Um, irrational things, thoughtless replies, etc. So yeah, it just made me unhappy. And I thought, what am I doing on this? It's making me unhappy and paranoid. Why would I bother? Let's turn more uh, towards productivity in a minute here. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the trip that you just completed. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you tell, tell us what, what was that? What was your goal? You were, you were gone for a year, right? I was traveling for a year. So I did trips over the course of a year. Um, I would go for a week and then come back and then go for another week. Um, And that was over the course of a year or a little bit longer Um, The purpose was to travel the world looking for historical objects through which I could tell the story of the Christian faith. So uh, going all over the world looking for objects that have some importance or some um, symbolic function in telling the history of Christianity around the world. So it was an incredible project. It was an amazing blessing to be able to travel far and wide to 24 countries, I think, across all of the continents. And um, yeah, it was it was amazing, and it will all be told in book and DVD format coming out uh, in early 2020. Nice, well, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for what's the name of that project so people can look it up. Yeah, it's called Epic. Epic, and you worked with yeah. uh, Stephen McCaskill, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, so I started out on the project and um, started out as a book project, and he got wind of it and said, "I think that would make a good film." And or as it turned out, a series of episodes, like a television show. So, uh, yeah, he joined me. We uh, traveled the world together and became pretty good friends along the way. So win-win. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so I know we've already touched on some stuff with productivity because that's what we do here at Redeeming Productivity. Um, <laughs> but uh, let, let's uh, maybe turn there a little bit more deliberately. Um, mm-hmm you know, kind of the the focus of what I try to do with this is helping believers to think about personal stewardship of their life and and do it from a rigorously, I hope, uh, biblical biblical perspective. You're clearly a productive guy. Uh, You've even written a book on it, which then makes you an expert. And, uh, you know, I, I know that you care about it. So why, why do you think that personal productivity is important for believers in Jesus Christ? I think it's important if you properly define it, then I believe it is productivity is really nothing more or less than doing what God calls us to do. So if we properly define it, not getting more done, not achieving our personal goals and ambitions, but if we look at it from a biblical perspective, then yeah, I think productivity is little more than just doing what it is God wants us to do on this earth. So of course then it matters. Of course then it's, it's important and a key to Christian living. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think I think the closest biblical word to productivity is probably stewardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, God's given you charge of something to do, and you need to actually do it well. You can't just not do it. You can't bury it in the ground, and you can't also just uh, be negligent in the way you do it. Yep. Yeah, and uh, according to the definition I've scratched up is um, productivity is using or stewarding your gifts, time, talents, energy, and enthusiasm for the good of others and the glory of God, which means you're taking what God has given you, that's gifts, spiritual gifts, talents, just sort of uh, talents you're born with and have enhanced ever since then, um, time, energy, those things that you're just passionate about, enthusiasm, uh, all of those things, and um, you're unleashing them for the good of other people, trusting that as you do what's good for other people, you're bringing glory to God. So uh, yeah, it, it's simply stewarding what God has given us, knowing that when God gives us something, he, he makes us responsible to use it. So uh, yeah. And what's kind of a, a typical week look like for you? I know you mentioned you try to make it over to the church once a week and, and you're posting mm-hmm. daily. So how does that all work out? Are you, are you writing each post every day and then posting it? Or you, do you have a whole backlog of things that are ready to go? Yeah, uh, I, it's hard to have a typical week. I, so I traveled for this travel project last year and I still speak at quite a number of conferences and just do some other travel-y type things. So um my typical week, I guess if I'm talking about a week that I'm at home all week, then yeah, Sunday I'm at church and we have a morning and evening service. Often have people back or do something else between the services. So Sundays are pretty full of church activities, which uh, I love. Mondays, I'm, uh, I post a, uh, my daily a la carte, but I also post an article. So I'm now posting articles Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I'm posting only the a la carte things on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. It's a concession to some uh, physical problems I've been having lately. Um, but yeah, so Mondays, I just try and get some writing done, try and get a couple of articles worked up. Then uh, if I can do that, if I can get three solid articles written by, say, Tuesday, and the rest of the week, I, I can usually spend one day at the office and then spend a couple of days working on some of the bigger projects. Um, my life takes a lot. There's a lot of administrative overhead in life, um, especially when you travel a lot. It just takes tons of time to properly plan out travel and all of that. So um, though I have some administrative help, some people who help me with that, still there's just a heavy load in life of administration as well. So that takes at least one full day a week. Do you find that um, you're, as you're kind of shifting in a new phase of life, as your kids are getting older, do you find that having a, a, a strong effect on that? Or is there less to do, more to do, or is it just different? It's different to do. So um, I've got one kid off at college now, so there's not much uh, we can do for him anymore uh, day by day. Uh, my daughter's driving, so that's massively reduced driving her to work and back and and all that and she's just gone more now she's in finishing up high school and uh, just working a lot so yeah life has gotten I, I'd say in some ways easier the reason I can travel now is because the kids are more grown up when my kids were younger I had to be very careful about how much I was gone just because the load was so heavy on my wife but mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely eased off in many ways and parenting at this point that seems the main responsibility is driving kids around driving them to lessons and appointments and work and all that so um, yes, yeah, de- definitely gotten, uh, gotten easy. And then, you know, you've got teenage girls, so there's a lot of, uh, lots of talking and listening that has to be done as well. Mm-hmm. Got to keep the guns cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> All that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, what's, uh, do you have like any kind of, I know there's not a typical week, but what about a typical morning? Do you have, do you generally wake up at the same time? What are the types of things you do uh, as you're getting ready in the morning? Yeah. So I get up typically around 530, uh, 5.45 and start my morning routine, which would involve just heading down to my, well, getting a cup of coffee, heading down to my office, getting the a la carte and article out the door for the day. They're all prepared. I just uh, actually launch them and then um, do the social media. So put them out on Facebook and Twitter. Then typically um, I'll spend some time reading the Bible. And then typically when the weather's not horrible, go for a walk for about a half hour, 35 minutes. And that's when I do my prayer and um, then get home, wake my wife up, wake the girls up, um, do family devotions, get the girls their breakfast, get the girls out the door by 7.50 a.m. And then I just hit the office for the rest of the day until typically about five o'clock. And you try to keep pretty regular work hours or are you, are you, you know, does it bleed into the evening or do you try to be good about cutting yourself off at a certain time? No, I often will just work until I don't feel like working anymore. It's uh, one of the luxuries I have in my line of work and just being self-employed. So I feel no obligation to work 40 hours a week. I feel no obligation not to work 60 hours a week. So just as the work goes, uh, it can ease off at times and it can be really heavy at times. So typically when I've got a bunch of conferences coming up, um, got some travel to do, that's where the load will get a little bit heavier. But no, I tend to work sort of, I intersperse it through the day and uh, I'm typically done by about five o'clock. But you know, being self-employed, your, your brain's never totally disengaged when you're reading an article on on a news site, you're always wondering if there's some something there that would be useful or that I could write about or that I should link to, et cetera. So yeah, you, know, you never totally disengage. I remember you saying, uh, this is a few years ago now, you were answering some questions and someone was asking you about, um, about like kind of the ideation process. They're like, how are you writing so many, how do you come up with so many ideas for blog posts? Mm -hmm. And I think you said something like, just whenever you're waiting in line or you're sitting or whatever, you're just thinking on different stuff. Can you talk to us yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah, I think people who tweet know this, that after a while, life starts to, to be interpreted in very short fragments of thoughts. Um, so everything is potential tweet fodder, which is also one reason I wanted to get off Twitter because I just didn't like thinking that way. Mm -hmm. But you just start to think in that grid. And so when you write a lot, maybe especially when you blog a lot, just everything becomes potential source of material. So when you're listening to a sermon, when you're reading a book, when you're watching people just out and about, your people watching, whatever it is, um, everything's potential illustration or idea. So it's just the writer's life, I think, to to start seeing life through that lens. And um, so one of the things you need to do is always have something at hand. You can jot ideas down in a little notebook or on your phone and uh, just, you never want to lose an idea. And most of them will turn out to be junk, but uh, somewhere along the way, you'll pick up a few good ones. And uh, speaking of, you know, places to write things down and, and jot them down and all that, uh, what are some of the tools you use? So, like notebooks, software, like what do you use to capture stuff? How do you keep yourself organized um, these days? Yeah, so in terms of capturing ideas or uh, my writing, I use the app Ulysses. Uh, that's on Mac and um, all the iOS devices or I guess now iPad OS devices, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big believer in that software. I use it all the time. It's made a huge difference in my life. 
If you're a writer, you'll benefit from it. Um, book length projects, I use Scrivener to do my writing on those just because it does a good job of organizing things, doing footnotes, etc. Um, and it can easily be dumped into a Word doc to be submitted to publishers. Other than that, my main tools are the ones I wrote about several years ago in um, Do More Better, which is my information tool is Evernote, my um, uh, calendaring tool. I just use Google Calendar or iCal. I kind of use a combination of the two of them. And then I use OmniFocus now for productivity, which actually I used back when I wrote the book. Though I did tell people to use a different one just because it was cross-platform. Mm -hmm. I recommended to do us because it's simple, free, and cross-platform. But I've always been an OmniFocus user. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I'm a huge fan of OmniFocus and Ulysses too. Um, there's one, you might be interested in this. I just started using Notion. Have you ever tried that? Yeah, I use it for certain things. Um, yeah, it gives you a lot of flexibility, doesn't it, to to create different um, different formats. Yeah, I like the the database type function of it too, mm -hmm. where you can kind of keep a you can plan things in there and and cross associate. But we're getting yeah. into the nerdy level stuff here. I, I <laughs> I've just people been like the about nerdy stuff though. That's at the end of the day, people want to know what you actually do. I always find that. Yeah, they want to know, to know the nitty do. gritty of it, right? Yep. Tim, you've written about some of the recent struggles you've had with with chronic pain. Um, could you maybe tell us about that and how how have you been thinking through that and how's that affected your work as a writer? Yeah, it's been an interesting thing that over the last year or so, I've had this growing pain in my hands, specifically in my fingers, and it happens mostly. They're not exclusively when I'm typing. And so the thing I, as we said earlier, the thing I feel called to do, the thing I love to do is also the thing that's um, becoming more and more difficult and more and more painful. So um, on the one hand, that's not a huge surprise if it is related to repetitive motion, as a lot of typing things are. Um, but yeah, it's been very painful to type lately. And um, we've not been able to find what's causing it. So I've been working with various doctors and tried lots of things, but so far nothing's really made any difference at all. So it's been an interesting one, and um, I trust the Lord's in it. I trust He's doing something through it. I'm, uh, I've had good moments and bad moments in that way, but uh, no, I think it's it's uh, it's been quite a challenge, and uh, one I'm just kind of dealing with day by day and uh, sort of week by week. And how is that? I know that you mentioned that it it affected the frequency with which you're releasing um, uh, written posts each week. Um, was that kind of the driving force for getting into YouTube and creating videos and stuff as well? It was part of it. Yeah, I was eager to explore a new medium, uh, knowing that YouTube is is getting big or has gotten huge and. Um, there wasn't a whole lot, there are not a whole lot of Christian vloggers, VLO, out there. Um, largely, again, because of the barrier to entry, I think it's just hard to do it well. So there's, there's lots of people throwing content out there, but I, I don't think most have the ability or the means to do it really, really well. It's sort of the equivalent of the non-Christian version of it. Uh, so I was eager to give it a try. Uh, I was also traveling last year and almost everywhere I went, I was able to do some ask me anything sessions where people just ask me questions. We could record that. So that created ready content. So 
Um, yeah, I think it went okay, but I just didn't really enjoy it. And it's just a, a lot of headache compared to writing articles. So I've sort of drifted away from it. I'm not sure what the future holds there, if I'm going to keep at it. Um, I've seen lots of other ministries or individuals start and not many stick with it that, that long again, because I think it's just, it's expensive and it's difficult. Even just the equipment alone and then the time of editing, that's, yeah, it's a big, it's a big commitment. Yeah. And for me, I think I would be capable of learning how to edit, but that would be exactly against the point, which is to not be using my hands to yeah. to do things. So I had to pay someone to do all the editing and putting it together. And it wasn't yeah. fantastically expensive, but um, yeah, I just, I, I, a lot of it was, I just had trouble week by week setting everything up and just feeling motivated to set everything up and do it. If there's someone in my life who said, sit in front of this camera, I'm going <laughs> to ask you questions. I think I would do it and stick at it. But I don't have that person. Ergo, I just didn't, I haven't stuck with it as much as I otherwise would have. So yeah. if there's someone out there who wants to be that person, you know, <laughs> just move to Toronto. I'll do it. Move to Toronto, <laughs> buy a studio, set up the equipment, stick me in front of it. And together we can share the vast amounts of zero funds that would come in. <laughs> Good living for someone there. I should point out also that blogs are far easier to monetize than, or at least they historically have been, than podcasts or YouTube um, because those things, the, you have to have a lot of listeners or with YouTube, especially a lot of views before you can make any substantial monetization. So uh, it really does become a sacrifice to put in all the time and the money and get so little back. Yeah, you kind of have to commit to the long haul and and maybe cross your fingers providentially that uh, the Lord will smile on you and you'll get enough viewers to make it worthwhile eventually, right? Are you aware of any vloggers who are making a go of it? Because I'm not really. I might be missing out. I'm sure there's some, but I don't not know Christian if there's anyone vloggers. out there. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, know. If you want to talk about yeah. cameras or something, that, that seems like an easier gig, or you want to talk about electronics, or you want to do unboxing, or there's tons of weird fringy stuff, but mm -hmm. to talk about faith issues from a theological perspective, I don't know that there's anyone who's really making a go of it, who's not funded in other ways. Yeah. And I think that there's probably, I'd have to look at it, the demographic stuff, but I would guess that YouTube viewership skews younger than blogs or podcasts. So, you I mean, the people that I know that are, you know, they're doing YouTube and succeeding at it, but they're not, it's not Christian stuff they're they're kind of targeting college students or or even like teens and tweens you know and that seems to be the people whose channels have millions and millions of subscribers yeah but again it's yeah, back I to agree. your point about medium you know i think youtube video is a is a great medium but it does i don't know i guess not that it's it it doesn't allow you to be as thoughtful but i don't know if if it's given as much to the thoughtfulness of something that's been fully written out, um, you know, the written word, just to, all the editing that goes into that is a lot more deeper, which is perhaps a better medium for, for deep thinking about theology. Yeah. And yeah, I, I generally agree. I think I did a series of videos called the great sermon series where I examined certain sermons from the last 10, 20 years, most of them, and just tried to uh, take a good look at them and the difference they made to the church. And um, when I did that, we were able to put a lot of time into the script. I was able to get a person who did some really good video production um, and all that. But 
it, so I think those were an exception and those did very well. People really enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. I um, love those. Which I think, yeah, which reflected the amount of effort that put in, I put into them, but there's just no way I, I, that was done without cost to me because the, the producer kindly gave his time. But when it came time to actually having to pay for that kind of thing, it just could not be uh, feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, back to, to kind of pain and, and suffering. <laughs> that's, right, that's, yeah. a, that's a rough transition. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I think I've known people in, in my churches and, you know, even personally, when you're, when you're dealing with pain and suffering as a believer, you know, it's part of, of the Christian life for many of us, you know, sometimes the, the Lord sees fit to um, have us be afflicted for a while. And uh, I think a lot of times what can happen to folks is they, uh, the, the issue of, you know, I'll call it productivity, but, you know, maybe to keep it more in biblical terms of, of stewardship of their life, of serving the Lord, that it almost takes a back seat sometimes where you, you think, well, no, this season of, of suffering, this season of enduring this um, trial, this is, I just need to kind of pull, and maybe you do have to pull back, but, but sometimes people are tempted, I think, to pull back completely from life and completely from, from serving the Lord. And even maybe to entertain thoughts of, well, I guess I'm not useful to the Lord at this point. And so I, I, I want to be cautious about that with like a, a you know, what I do is I, I talk about Christian productivity, but I really believe that it's not, I, I could see someone be tempted to think, no, that's only for people who are, um, who, who have everything together or they're, they're able-bodied or they, you know, they're not going through something really difficult. But you look at the lives of um, a lot of the saints of the past, people we would look up to, and they lived lives of affliction. You know? um, Spurgeon had, uh, he had gout. He had all kinds of other um, afflictions he endured. Or even today, you look at someone like Johnny Erickson Tata or something. Um, how do you think... Uh, saints should think about stewarding their lives, think about productivity, the responsibility for God in the light of suffering or even in the light of disability? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to ask what the Lord is calling you to now. And uh, he sometimes either brings stuff into our lives or permits things in our lives. So uh, I think when we suffer, we all have to ask, is the Lord in some way chastening me? Is there something I'm doing that he's uh, in his divine providence somehow disciplining me out of love? And that's something I've had to think through a lot. Um, So I, I need to think on that level. And if I'm really convinced and maybe speaking to others that there's nothing in my life that that's um, bringing that divine Kind of chastening, then I think I can uh, take some comfort in the fact that this just seems to be what the Lord has for me right now. If we trust that God is good and God is kind and God is sovereign, um, then I can say this is what he's got for me right now. So I'm going to be as productive as I can be in this season, not pretending that I'm back the way I used to be. So two years ago, I had an incredibly productive year. I had a fantastic assistant who was helping me with things then and um, she and I just really clicked together. We got a lot of good material created and um, she's serving as a research assistant, me doing the writing and my hands were working great. And it was just a fantastic year. If I compared this year to that year, I think I would be really, really discouraged hmm. uh, just if I was basing it on sheer volume. But it seems clear the Lord's got this for me right now. And so I was willing and I think okay with, okay, after time anyways, with just cutting things back 
uh, spending more time in, with the church, more time reading, more time doing other things, and just not trying to, uh, just not allowing myself to sink into despair as if that's, that's some problem with me. So yeah, I think a lot of it just comes down to what has the Lord got for me right now? Um, I don't think the Lord would allow my hands to, to be the way they are right now and then be uh, upset with me that I'm not producing more writing. It right. doesn't seem like consistent with who he is. And I, I hear a lot of, you know, implications of contentment in there and what you just said, being content with mm-hmm. where the Lord has you at, in this season, whatever that may be. Yeah. Yeah. Be content and just trust him in it. This, this hasn't happened apart from his will. It's not like this snuck up and he's been helpless to stop it. This is part of his will in some way it's good in some way it's for his glory. And so embracing that and not sinking into despair uh, and then maybe just being willing to adapt. What are some things you can do? Um, what are some things you can commit yourself to now that perhaps you couldn't have before? Yeah, that's interesting. There, there are opportunities that may open themselves up through mm-hmm. the, through that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and again, you think of a Johnny Erickson Tata or something. She might have had a, I'm sure she did have a life plotted out for herself, but the Lord called her to something totally different. And she's embraced that and thrived and had opportunities to to serve the church and and uh, opportunities to glorify God she never would have had had she not uh, suffered her injury. So she, I think she can sort of illustrate that for us. Yeah, well said. Um, Tim, what's one area of your life that you wish that you were more productive in? I think early evenings, I am prone to just waste a lot of time. I've been trying to to think through. I'm okay with wasting time sometimes in the sense of we all just need downtime and entertainment can serve a good and holy function in our lives and, and all of that. Um, I certainly I can't be fully productive toward writing and uh, learning good information all the time. But I think in this, uh, in this world where we have easy access to media uh, and really easy access to YouTube and unlimited bandwidth and all of these great blessings, I think it's just so easy to waste vast amounts of time and to have certain patterns in life or certain places in life where we allow time to get away from us. So, I've just been thinking a lot about those early evenings and how I could use them a whole lot better. I'm not sure if that quite gets to the the question, but it was the first thing I thought of. No, that's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, I always find there's just there's there's something that I'm just noticing. It's like whack-a-mole sometimes. And I, I agree with you that you have we need downtime. We can't always be on, especially, you know, well, with anything, with thinking, even if even if your labor is more of a physical thing, like, you know, they're we spend a third of our life sleeping and that's by God's design. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're made for rest and all that, but I, I always find like right now, I think the, the big one for me is um, Instagram and I don't know why yeah. I don't care that much about it, but it's one of those things where I find myself mindlessly scrolling and I'll delete the app and then we'll go on vacation or something and I'll want to post a picture, you know, of my, of my baby. And so I'll reinstall it and then I'll post it and then I'll lose a week, you know, of mornings yeah. where I'm, I'm just scrolling through that thing mindlessly. Uh, yep. And if it's not that, it's something else. And so, you know, there's, I think that maybe there's a myth that you're, you're going to find the perfect productive life and if you're going to get everything locked into place and then you'll just be smooth sailing from there on out. I think that's always going to be a struggle. 
I think so. And there are a few extraordinary people out there you run across every now and again who seem to just, they are always productive and they, they create or accomplish more in a day than you or I accomplish in a lifetime. And I think it's important not to compare yourself to those few people uh, whom the Lord just seems so specially blessed that way. And there's some who have a deep, deep sense of calling. I know a a Christian speaker out there at one point in his life had a horrifying experience. He thought he was going to die and it just radically changed his whole outlook on life. And so he just feels before the Lord. He vowed in that moment he would give all of his time to the Lord. And so he does. And okay, you know, I think the Lord works for extraordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. But yeah, that's that's not typical for, for most of us. And neither does it need to be. Um, but we also have to guard ourselves against becoming lazy, falling into bad habits, and just wasting, uh, failing to steward, you could say, what the Lord has, has given to us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim, any upcoming projects that you're excited about? Uh, I'm hoping to announce a new one in the very near future, and I'm excited about that. Uh, another one that might take me overseas quite a bit, so that's going to be an exciting one. Um, beyond that, no, it's really just uh, the lead up to Epic coming out in March. There's uh, still lots to be done. The book is pretty much done. The films are still underway. So just lots to be done there uh, when we're uh, just nailing down the fine details of it. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Looking forward to uh, seeing the finished product. And I'm really hoping it serves people that uh, it's more than just entertainment, but it's entertainment that also helps people understand uh, the history of Christianity, Christianity and their part in it. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, what's the best way for people to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, really just chalies.com or if you want to go on Twitter and subscribe at chalies, you'll see the updates anyways. You won't see anything Never else. Never back from you. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Facebook. I, I'm more on Facebook still. Mm -hmm. Occasionally post other things there as well or reply to people's comments. But yeah, that's the best thing. Just you type in chalies on basically any of the socials or something, you'll probably find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Tim. This has been a lot of fun uh, and, and very helpful for me, instructive and encouraging. Um, I'm praying for you and uh, all, the, all the best to you um, as you continue serving the Lord where he's, where he's put you. Thank you.